Apple presents events at the Apple Store. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Holly Vogus. Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you for coming out today, uh, first day of Tribeca Film Festival. And thanks for coming out to the panel. For you, those of you that aren't aware of what Tribeca Now is, it's an initiative we started uh, last year. And it highlights uh, people that are working primarily in the online space as opposed to the traditional form of uh, distributing their film or creating a traditional short film or narrative film. Um, we go through the internet through uh, suggestions given to us by people that um, from Vimeo or Dazed, all sorts of uh, people that are constantly looking at what's being created and, um, and then select um, about a dozen creators that we think are really doing something different and uh, taking risks, unique voices, um, and storytellers. So today we have four of those that we were, we've selected for this year, uh, and I'd like to bring out our creators. Oh, it's open. That okay, I got it now. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Hey. Uh, so uh, we have Gregory Bain, uh, the creator of Zero Point. Uh, Drew Drogi, who is a comedian, writer, and um, primarily an actor, I would say. Sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> hi, thanks. Uh, hi. Yeah. Uh, Bianca Gaver. Uh, who is uh, works primarily in public radio. Uh, she's a multimedia artist and is creating a video series for This American Life. And we have Jason Musson, who uh, is also a writer, uh, director, creator. So um, to start, we'll just give you guys an intro and kind of introduce the, um, each of the, the things they've been working on. Uh, Will Gregory, do you want to intro any part of your of your piece here, or do you want to just dive in? We can just dive in. Okay. Sure. Okay. Go for so it. So let's run zero point. Mrs. Garcia, to start, I have a few simple questions. Okay. Was Jorge on any medications of any kind? Was he ever diagnosed with any disorders relating to anxiety or depression? I, I don't know how that could help, Detective Embry. It's Dr. Embry. Like I said, these are just questions. No right or wrong answer. Did Jorge have any such diagnosis? No. Was he a regular user of drugs or alcohol? Why these questions? I'm trying to rule out other potential factors for causation. The police, they said it was an accident. Every once in a while, there are reports of deviations in nature, like the erratic bee, bees that don't follow the routine. Sometimes these erratic behaving bees are precursor to something bigger. 
maybe their own deaths, or worse, the death of their colony. I think your brother is the human equivalent of the erratic bee, Mr. Garcia. A precursor. You told me you had something to show me. I do. If you'd like to see the entire episode, which is about 40? 45 minutes. Uh, you can go to the Tribeca Now website and see the entire thing. And uh, this is the first one, and then how, how long do you expect the series to span? Uh, well, we just shot a pilot, um, and we're trying to figure out how to turn that into a season, because it's TV length, uh, right. which is mildly ambitious on a very low budget. Um, so we're working to kind of figure out what that, those next steps are to, to blow up the series. Um, we have planned out a first season, um, and it's varying between eight to ten episodes that were scoped out. Um, but we're just, it's, you know, it's like breaking a TV show. So right. we're, we're trying to, you know, and there's two of us. My co-creator, Christian, is somewhere around here. Um, so it's the two of us. There he is right there. Uh, so we're uh, currently writing, um, talking to other folks about sort of joining in this effort to produce this show, and um, that's sort of where we're at right this second. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're going to move on to Drew. Hi. Hi. Hello. Um, so, uh, Drew. Hi. You do a lot of things. I do a lot of things. Nothing anywhere that deep or thoughtful. <laughs> um, I do a lot of just like crazy, silly wig comedy yeah. um yeah this was i mean years ago i had friends i worked at the groundlings in la sketch comedy improv theater and other friends of mine were doing like george w bush and ariana huffington and i looked in the mirror one day and said i look like chloe sevigny um yeah a lot i would say a lot yeah yeah and so i read an interview with her and she was referencing just the most bizarrely hyper-specific labels that we all were just supposed to know. So I did this bit on stage for a lot of where I was playing Chloe Sevigny and just referencing things that no one's going to get at all. The whole joke was, you're not going to get it. You're, you're not insider. You know, you're not. And so um, I, then I started making these videos, and they sort of took on a life of their own. Okay, well, let's yeah. see it. Yeah, okay. and, uh, and then we'll come, we'll come back to that. <laughs> Good evening, America. I'm Chloe Sevigny. Uh, amazing, uh, uh, amazing, uh, amazing, uh, amazing, amazing. It's recently come to my attention that I love toast. There's a simple process to create a toast. Start with one personal package of King's Hawaiian sweetbread, 
I first discovered my admiration for King's Hawaiian Sweetbread at the first annual Memorial for Ideas, sponsored by Acura, Prilosec, and Gogurt Squirts. I was seated next to Tinsley Mortimer and her plus one. Take your sweet bread out of the sweet sack and place it in a small clay oven or wood-fired grill. While waiting, call up a good friend like Gabby Hoffman, DJ Frankie Knuckles, or Charlotte Rampling. Have a conversation about Fassbender, Irony, or Provinza Schauler. Oh, your toast is ready. Slather your bread in cardamom butter. Be careful not to soil your half boots by chip and pepper your mock bonnet by opening ceremony, or your ironic coin scort by obesity and speed. Eat, dance, eat. Mmm, rich bread. I don't give a crap if you don't like my hat because I know it's amazing. Important. Yeah, it's really Very important. important. Prescient. Yeah. Trebecca. <laughs> it's going to be the, the theme for next year, I'm sure of it. Yeah. So um, has Chloe seen? She has. She has seen it. Um, we've met before. She was really nice. I mean, she doesn't really get it. It's, it's really weird. <laughs> it's off. I mean, I'm not even doing her voice. I'm not really... You know, and the longer I've been doing it, the less... I mean, the, the further I've gone from the real Chloe 70. So... I think it would be weird to be her to watch that and go, that's not me at all. Like, I don't, I don't talk, I, whatever, but whatever. She was very nice about it. But, okay. Yeah. Good. There's a video online of her watching my videos, and it was the most bizarre <laughs> thing ever to watch her watch me and talk about it, and I, I don't know. It, yeah. Weird. Very meta. Very meta. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, Bianca. Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, so we're going to show your clip, and just so everyone knows, um, there's it, it. It's kind of a, it's a it's a clip of the longer version. So it's um, there's a little bit at the end that's a little cut off, but um, but it's called the scared is scared. It's called the scared is scared. Yeah, I made it my last semester of college, and the idea behind it was to interview a six-year-old and have him tell me about a movie he wanted to be made, and then I would make his dream movie. And so the point where we're about to cut in, he has just told this entire story about a bear and a mouse, and then towards the end he starts to give me advice. And so that's where we're gonna cut in, and then you'll see the bear and the mouse at the very end. I'm about to graduate in three weeks, and it sort of feels like my school is closing for me, you know? Yeah. Um, if like something feels like you're you're closing you sh you should just say okay i'm fine i usually let it go i just think think of something that i really like to do and just you just think of something else until the the nervous has gone out of you i let that thing disappear out of my head, out of my ears, out of my mouth. It's I'm scared of this thing. When the scared feeling comes into you, the scared is scared of things you like. So um, I was scared of a monster and I thought of pizza.
and juice and some and some meringues and a cookie chocolate chip cookie i mean oatmeal cookie <laughs> and then i ate it all up and some milk and the cookie was shaped like a piano a keyboard i mean yeah oh that's true that's good advice that's why i just need to think of things i like when i'm scared Asa Bear and Toby Mouse going to do when the pool closes? They have so much that they can do in winter. There are stories about winter, there are stories about um, other th things. I, I have heard they once even had a sleepover without like, their moms. So it's a happy ending. Mm-hmm. It is. Are you hungry? Yes! For cookies and red sauce and pizza. Where'd you find your six-year-old, Bianca? So, so I actually um, had a professor who had a six-year-old son, and I infiltrated his son's friend group. I asked him to introduce me to all the six-year-olds in the area. You vetted them. <laughs> yeah. Auditioned them. And, and then I offered free babysitting, and then I interviewed a bunch of them, and a lot of them I couldn't use for budget reasons because they had exploding trains and shark attacks and all these things. Um, <laughs> but Asa and I, I mean, I only did like three or four six-year-olds and then Asa was the last one and we really connected and like the story was coherent and he gave good advice at the end, so. And was it for a specific project or was it just something you were like, this is how I'm going to handle this point of my life, this kind of fear that I have. Yeah, I mean, I was making a film over the course of one month as an independent project. Yeah, cool. that's cool. Yeah, well, it turned out great. And uh, Jason. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, so I just want to set up your clip very quickly. Okay. Yeah. Um, the inspiration, is that the best word to use? Yeah, for? yeah, yeah, like a jumping yeah. off point, starting point. Yeah. So. Um, Jason's uh, project is called The Adventures of Jamel, the Time-Traveling B-Boy, uh, which sounds, no offense, very <laughs> random. But it is, uh, when it put is. in the, um, this context, I think it, it, it really holds some weight and is a very interesting idea that, that has a lot of meat to it. Yeah, um, I'm attracted to things that should fail, you know, <laughs> that just has no merit and should just collapse and trying to really build on top of that. I think, yeah. I think you've got something to build on. So um, the quote that inspired you is from Louis C.K. And he says, here's how great it is to be white. I could get in a time machine and go to any time and it would be fucking awesome when I get there. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, sorry. Um, <laughs> that is exclusively a white privilege. Black people can't F with time machines. A black guy in a time machine is like, hey, Anything before 1980, no thank you. I don't want to go. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think this clip starts with um, the inventor of the time machine. He's a scientist at the Illuminati, and he's um, just presenting it to a group of like low-level Illuminati executives. So you meet the scientist first before you meet Jamel. Okay. Great. I think. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Any moment now, I will disappear and traverse time as if it were a highway. Any moment now. I told you, time travel was magic! Yeah, and the only thing that you have in common with a wizard is that you're old as fuck. Maybe you get it working in another 30 years, right, Doc? And then you could travel back in time and save yourself from looking like an ass in front of a room full of people. Come on, boys, let's go up on the fourth floor, have some anal sex with some goats. <laughs> oh, I get the one with the pink collar. Oh, you got it. <laughs> hey, Doc, you mind if I clean up in here? No, go ahead, Jamel. You seem blue, Doc, what's the matter? Well, it turns out, Jamel, that my newest invention is a complete failure. Another failure in a long list of failures. A new failure added to the failure pile that is my life. Your newest invention is a phone? No, it's not a phone, Jamel. It's a time-traveling device. A time-travel machine? Whoa, how does it work? Well, you just uh, turn it on and move it like so. <laughs> well, no wonder it didn't work, Doc. Maybe all you needed was a little hip-hop pizzazz. Hip-hop pizzazz? You just gotta take this thing, and you do it like this. Why don't you now? More, Jamel. More. More. Give it more hip-hop. Give it, kill it. Go, Jamel. Go, Jamel. Go, 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 Jamel. It works. Ridiculous. What did you that, say? That's just ridiculous. <laughs> but in a great way. In yeah. a great way. And speaking about that, I have a question for Jason and, and Drew specifically. Um, comedy really seems to thrive. I mean, in the online space, and it's something that it proliferates almost. It's constant, and it's one of the first things that the I think when. Um, videos were starting to be put on the internet that were really, really took off. Uh, why, do e why do you guys think that that is? Why do you think that it ha really has a home and thrives on um, I don't really know. I think people naturally want to laugh. And I think um, comedy is always kind of a, an excellent escape or coping mechanism with how crappy general life is um, and it's I think it has some healing aspects to it um, but people like to share laughter you know yeah that's um, true it's also yeah. immediate too I mean like yeah. when you I mean when you can 
have the ability to make something right away and edit it that day and put it up. I mean, you can really cover current events or like a meme before that was, you know, or whatever's happening right now in the world or, you know, and it's, you know, people like, it's like Twitter. It's like all the same thing. It's like, you just, I have this idea, boom. Yeah. And so I think with comedy, it, it has that immediacy and, and it's all in the timing. I mean, there are things that if you wait too long, if you have to make the film, by the time, you know, you put it in a film, the joke is done or we've already said it. I mean, it's like, you can't put, oh, I threw up in my mouth in a movie anymore. People go, oh my God, I've heard that joke so many times. But the first person that did that, on, on, I'm sure on a YouTube video, got a million Killed hits because people are like, oh my God, that's amazing. I'm going to send it. I'm going right. to, you know. Except yeah. for Charlie Bit Me. Charlie Bit Who? Me. Is, Charlie Bit Me is timeless. The, Who is that? The kid um, oh, who's Charlie, like. Oh, Charlie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The dentist yeah. guy. Yeah, the yeah, dentist kid. Timeless. Yeah, the drugged up dentist kid. That's yeah. timeless. Can I, I just comment on how much I loved the table in your thing, the, the scientist. <laughs> production value. The production value. Yeah. It was a stuffed Canadian goose and then just um, plates of apples. Uh, I was like, that's what they were eating for we, lunch? Yeah, we so had an amazing uh, uh, set design. Uh, oh, that was so good. Yeah, spe speaking of uh, production value, um, Gregory, I think that your piece also really stands out for uh, for that. For I mean, the, the way it's shot, it's shot in a very, uh, in an, this is not an insult, in a very traditional way. It, it's yeah. shot, you know, just the and the length of it. Can you um, talk about how why you chose to put that online? Why you decided to go in a web series format as opposed to I know, pitching it around to TV, you know, the networks and all that, what really attracted you? <laughs> uh, part of it's geography. I live in Idaho. Um, <laughs> so I, there's not a uh, thriving industry of, of any sort. Um, I, uh, Do you shoot in Idaho? Oh, we shot the pilot in Idaho, Idaho, yeah. Okay. We shot the pilot in Idaho, and it, it sort of takes place in the, in the American West. Um, I come from a background of doing a lot of documentaries and a lot of one man showing it. And uh, so luckily I didn't have to totally do that with this, but uh, so uh, point being, I had to, I've had to work like with really low budgets and get good stuff for a long time. Um, so in terms of just production value, that was, had all the gear, had good people around me and was able to do that. Um, but in terms of why we would make a television pilot and put it online, um, you know, I think that we just thought, why not? You know, it's, it's, we feel like things are, are progressing that way. I mean, the things are getting longer and longer. Um, we have, you know, most people I think probably binge watch things that are 42, 45, 48 minutes at a time. and. And for Christian and I, we just, you know, we've, this particular idea was something that felt more natural in a longer span. I mean, it's sort of a story that has to develop over time. And we thought that in 10 minute, 11 minute, 12, 20, it just probably wouldn't do it justice. So we thought, okay, it may seem crazy, but let's just go shoot a, you know, essentially a TV pilot for the web and, um, you know, work out from there. And, and if, I mean, do you think you would keep it on the web? Uh, you know, if, if it takes off or hopefully, fingers crossed, do you think that that's where you would maintain? Um, I, I feel like everything's, but you know, everybody watches everything on the web. I kind of, I, I, I'm, I always use, I'm platform agnostic. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I, I, it's envisioned for a small screen, essentially. And, you know, whether that's somebody that has, 
a Vimeo app on their Roku or they're watching on their computer or they're watching on mobile. Like I don't, I don't really care, uh, but yeah. I do. I, I, the, the, the thing about the web is, and ours is a little bit different, but the immediacy of, of that transaction is nice. Um, and also having you know, a certain level of control. I mean, again, we run up into a little bit different scenario because we have sort of this epic story that grows and you know, could end up being like 10 hours of content. Right. Um, so there's other constraints that come with that in terms of budget and getting people and a large cast and all that. Um, but we figured, why not try? And, and see if we can make something like this go and, and you know, maybe be out ahead a little bit. Sure. So, okay. if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. And Bianca, um, in terms of content, your content, um, from watching it, I kept, I watched it a couple times and I kept thinking, what does this remind me of? And it, it there seems to be, a, graphic novels seem to be oh, yeah. very much an influence on you. I mean, can you just talk about that? You made some of your major influences and yeah. just the words that come across the screen and why you felt like that was the best way to tell these stories. Yeah, uh, I really like graphic novels, but I can't draw, so I think like oh, if okay. I could, I would maybe be making those, but this is like the way to do it without drawing. But um, yeah, I think a lot of my movies are about the relationship between the words and the visuals, because I start entirely with a radio story, basically. Um, and hopefully that story is interesting enough to listen to on its own, just the audio, and then the visuals are sort of like an art project where it's really associative, it's just thinking of the most creative thing that I could add to my radio story that won't distract from it, um, but will make it like even more artful. And I think, yeah, graphic novels are similar. They start with the story, they write it. I don't know exactly how they do it, but that's what it seems like. And then they draw visuals that go with it. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's So you start with the, the audio? I start with first. just the audio, yeah, and then that becomes a voiceover, and you usually never even see the person who I interviewed, and they're just sort of like the, the narrator of the story. Um, and that's great for me, because I don't have to roll sound when I shoot, and I can yeah. do a really intimate interview for a really long time, and I can mess with it, and like, move stuff around a ton and I don't have to worry about it. It's annoying at times when I'm like, I have no idea what I'm gonna show for that and I don't have any talking heads, but I think it makes it more creative in the end. Yeah, I th you definitely get creative with your, you know, the cookies and all that. I think you do, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the way you insert that. And do you think you'd go, do you think you'll stay in this sort of uh, audio to visual? Or do you think that, you know, you might start to go, change the, the way, way that around. you create, yeah, the other way. Um, yeah, I work in public radio, and so I think audio will always primarily be my home. That's where I'm really comfortable, and I, you know, I often just make radio stories that aren't movies. Um, so I see myself kind of continuing, continuing that. I've tried to make some uh, stories without this process, without the audio, and I find it so difficult. <laughs> so that's interesting. Yeah. Um, for all of you, uh, I, I just wanted to know. I think one of the most unique things about uh, working on primarily the web plat platform, sorry, um, is uh, the amount of freedom you have. Uh, do you find that for all, all of you that it, you're able to take more risks because you're not worrying about maybe box office or yeah. uh, you know, getting your money back in the same ways that you know, traditionally? Or do you think it allows you to experiment a little more? Absolutely. I mean, like I've, 
lived in LA for over 15 years and it was like forever like it, you have to pitch ideas I mean like you're talking about like why don't you just make these things for TV it's like whether they're traditionally made for TV or they're completely different you have to go through so many channels and so many people that have to tell you no for a, that's their job is to say no you can't or I don't get it or it's too similar to this or it's nothing like a, it's, it's like nothing I've ever seen before and you have the ability to do your own thing make your own rules and not have all those channels of people to go through. And I always feel lucky when I get to work on things that are like large scale or whatever, but like it, it, it's so many just levels of watering down what you originally do, even if it means like having three lines on something or I created this, but after it's gone through all these people, it's now this. And it's always, I'm always happy to get paid, but it's like when you're doing the, inter when you're doing the internet stuff you're able to just make your own stuff in its purest form and say this is really me this is how I really see my vision and everything and then and then and you have an audience the crazy thing too the internet it, people find it and they and that's the that's the cool thing is that you, you know you prove the naysayers wrong by just doing your own thing right yeah I, I don't know I find it to be con constraining actually oh, really? I, in some ways well because People are really impatient on the internet, which is another reason yes. I think comedy works, and they're looking for some sort of satisfaction super quickly. So if you get a joke in there, that's great, and they'll mm -hmm. have that, and they'll keep watching. But I constantly feel this need to like, you know, impress them within 30 seconds and have it be super fast-paced, and it makes it really hard to make things that are like slow and beautiful and have them exist on the internet, because I feel like I'm vying for everyone's attention. I feel like I'm in this rat, rat race where I'm like, fighting against everything else on the internet and that's my competition and I don't even think people sit down to watch it with the intention to watch my video I think they're probably procrastinating against something else and they're not like they're not like here to give it the time to like watch my video like they would sit down or go to a theater to see a short film at a film festival yeah. so I constantly feel that pressure of like this you know I have to get this down to six to ten minutes and I feel like I have to be like an attention whore basically to like get them to keep watching and like if I want people to see it on the internet beside my besides my friends I feel like I have to like obey the laws of the internet and it's right. kind of and just like that try and keep people's attention and that's not always true for everything but I feel like that pressure like gets into me and it's really hard to avoid that thinking about that when I'm editing my films. I think that's why, I mean, that's part of why I think why we went with the longer length, oddly, is that yeah. because there's, we have a predisposed idea of like, if I'm watching TV, like we'll accept that length. Mm -hmm. yeah. But if we're watching a drama on the internet that's like 12 minutes, it is like, so get hard. to the point. <laughs> but we're like, yeah. we would have stopped. It's a, it's, it's a 45 minute show. Like, and, and we'll see if it works, but, yeah. <laughs> but it, uh, I think that's part of it. And, and also the the aspect of being able to, you know, we made this slow burn show that might, I think on paper, I don't know if it's, it's not terribly hard to pitch, I guess, but it, it it's when you can see it and see the mood and understand what we're going for visually, as opposed to me, you reading the script or all that, it just helps, I think. And, and you can like get your vision across purely, like you said. Yeah. yeah. I think in my experience, I've, I've done um, short form videos for the internet, um, the three, because I think three, three and a half minutes is really what people want to give you on the internet. That's like their time limit. Once you hit four minutes, they're like doing something else. And with this project, each episode is around eight to 10 minutes. And I know there's definitely an attention drop off, but um, I think if you just adhere to the time, you're like, your constraints of like longer form, um, you'll weed out 
idiots, you know, and, and, <laughs> and you'll find people who are genuinely interested in your vision and who link up to your vision. And, you know, if you can't get on that treadmill of constant co content that kind of like, I try to avoid that. We're like, when we make our videos, me and the director, Scott Ross, I think there's like two or three months in between the videos. So you got to Yeah, you got to do them on your own time when yeah. you have the ability to do it because I'll put up videos and people go, love it. When's the next one? More, more, yeah, more. Exactly. And you do feel like I got to keep making these, got to get making these. And then you get to a point, you're like, wait a minute, um, they're free. Yeah. So <laughs> I'll get to it. Yeah. <laughs> Find something else. Amen. There's plenty of things out there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And Jason, this is the pilot for your piece. Yeah, as well, yeah, right? yeah. Okay. This that clip is from the right. uh, pilot. Um, there are two episodes online. The new one just went up this morning. So, um, but you know, two months. So with January, yeah, the first one was January seventh, and this came out today. So hey, I'm not in a rush. I have <laughs> no, other things no. to do. Yeah, right. yeah. You're not feeling the pressure. Nah, man. It's free content. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, uh, are there any questions from the audience? Hi, uh, do you have any suggestions for a filmmaker, how to get their stuff out there and what to do? Man. <laughs> um, make it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's I think at every, it, whether it's this sort of stuff or like documentaries, which I work on and put out, it, it's just, it's always a con it, you're doing a lot of heavy lifting and you just sort of have to like come to things like this and meet people and you know put it out as much as possible get it in the hands of as many people as possible it's really hard i think I, my experience like is a little bit different because in terms of like the online space like i don't have like uh, something to create a following with yet like i've done documentaries but solely you know you work with an, an audience kind of niche a lot of times with documentaries. I don't, I don't know what type of stuff you're making, but I mean, part of that too is also thinking about like, okay, who, who would like this? And then go there. I mean, I made a fight documentary and I found myself like in MMA forums. Oh yeah. And I don't, I'm not a big time MMA guy, but I, I was like walking into the room of like a big muscly dude going, hey, I'm the guy making the movie. <laughs> um, but you just like have to put yourself out there like constantly and, and it's a hustle, really. I also just think, make what you like. Make what, yeah. I mean, if it's a comedy, what makes you laugh? What, if it's a drama, if it's a story you really need to tell, tell it. I mean, and, and also realize, recognize what you do well and find, like, like Greg was saying, find really good people around you. Like, I can't, I don't know any technical anything. Like, I can't DP, I, clearly. Um, I can't, do, you know. And so I found, you know, I, I paired with my friend Jim Hansen on these videos, who is an editor and a director. And, you know, he, you know, and so you find a team, but then put it out there. And don't, I, I wouldn't worry too much about, like, is this going to be good? Is this going to, is, who's going to like this? Because, you know, you have to just tell, because people find it in, in a really weird way. My videos were up for about three months and had under 100 hits. And then one day they went everywhere. And it was like, I had no idea how that happened. And to this day, I kind of still don't. So it's like a lot of it is luck. And a lot of it is like, oh, it's just the right thing happens at the time. But it, I think the only thing I've learned from it is when I've tried to do things that will trend or things that are hot or like, oh, this is what's really funny right now or this is what's selling, they always fail. Like, they, nobody, nobody cares about that. So, like, whatever you like or whatever you feel passionate about, just do it. Make a way to make it happen. Even on no money, do it, you know? 
Yeah. Do you guys have anything to add? No, I agree with him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think if you make really good work consistently, people will notice. I mean, I just shared my video on my Facebook, and then my friends, a lot of them liked it, so they shared it, and I didn't have to, like, hustle, you know. So I think people want to watch good stuff, and if you keep doing that, it just, yeah, it'll get noticed. Okay. So one of the great limitations of making these films is the budget. So um, how do you decide, uh, you know, how much in hawk you're going to go and how much you're going to use social media or f crowdfunding to fund these or not? And talk a little bit about how you funded the films you've made. <laughs> uh, well, we ours started with a grant, so not a large one, but uh, so that was our immediate. And then I, I, I talked Christian into being a co-creator on the show and spending some money on it. Um, so that, that worked, and then I spent some additional money. We didn't spend a, a ton, um, but you know, everyone has to sort of ask that. I would never recommend somebody go spend a bunch of money on a credit card to make anything, because it's a really bad idea. Unless you're investing in gear and you have like an actual career as a freelance DP or something, like just don't do that. Um, but it, it, the beauty of all of this actually is that the technology is cheap now. I mean, you can get 4K cameras for under $1,000 now. Um, you can get good sound gear for really cheap. I think it's, you know, the accessibility. I mean, uh, probably everyone in this room either has something or has a friend with like a little package of, you know, a camera, sound, something. I think it's just linking up with those people and making something. And I think when you get into the the budget, it just, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of hard to quantify because most of the time I just go make things and sometimes I have to raise money to do certain things, to pay certain people to do certain things. But I, I would just suggest going and doing as opposed to worrying too much about what the, the budget is going to be right off the bat. But I also say that from a place of like, I am a DP, so I have a bunch of gear already. So. Yeah, our Chloe budget is zero. Um, <laughs> surprisingly, uh, yeah. no. Um, uh, Jim is uh, um, had had. I mean, basically talked me in for like for months to make a video because I was like, I don't think these will be. I didn't think they were gonna work. He can. He talked me into it. But he had a camera. He's also a wardrobe guy. He does wardrobe for TV. So he has so many clothes that you may have seen someone else wear on Rules of Engagement uh, or whatever. And um, and he just got a bunch of clothes together, he does my makeup, and all green screen, like, finds the images, and so we do it super cheap, it's just between the two of us, and then we put it up, and so, um, yeah, I mean, there are other things that I have done that I've, we've had to raise some money for, but um, I always think, I don't know, some things raise, like, $100,000, $150,000 for their web series, I've, I've seen those, I've been a part of those, I don't know how those people do that, and I, I mean, hey, if you can get that kind of money, that's great. Godspeed, but I just recommend using as little money as possible and really going off your idea and trying really hard because people respond to, they get the form, they get that it's not, they're not going to see Avatar when they log, you know what I mean? They don't want that, that you know, um, that's my most current reference, you yes. guys. <laughs> right? <laughs> Pure vodka. Um, but, you know, like what, they're not going to go see, you know, they, they don't expect that and that's not why they go, why they want to log on to a, a, some web content is the, is the amount of money you spent into it. I mean, it's really depressing when you go, you spent $150,000 on that as opposed to, oh my God, 10 bucks, do it. That's a good point. 
Um, so the videos I'm working on now are funded by This American Life, a public radio show, and by a film production company in Brooklyn um, called Missing Pieces. And basically I just pitched them my ideas. Uh, I said this little, you know, they like the ideas. I said I can do it for really cheap. Uh, they liked my previous work. So I think for them it was a cool, pretty low risk opportunity to try something. Um, and it was like, if we don't like it, then it was an experiment and we'll throw it away and it won't have cost that much. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And my, my project is self-funded, but it's really, it's been really cheap to make um, primarily because um, I shoot, I'm from Philadelphia, I shoot in Philadelphia, my friends there um, have a production company and they're all really happy to help um, produce the work, you know, because it has like heart, um, heart, what the hell does that mean? Um, but, um, but I think the budget constraints are actually um, a boon in a way, because you don't get, you kind of don't get carried away with like the ability to do like whatever you want. And you have to think creatively when you're constrained by the, your um, financial limitations. And I always love like that kind of like pirate ship um, uh, making of a project. You know, I like when the seams are kind of loose on things. So the budget, the, the low budget's awesome to me. That sounds really weird, but it's true. Hi, everyone. As a filmmaker myself, I, you know, there's different mediums as a filmmaker to make money. So my question is, in the web arena, how do you monetize your film and have you monetized and have you been able to make any kind of money? And what are your marketing aspects to uh, getting your film out there? Who would start? I'll start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's uh, the thing about monetization is it, it's not always a straight line and I, I think that's always the the problem is that we have this like Joe Pesci attitude of like <laughs> pay me um, and it right, doesn't yeah. it doesn't really work that way and I, I think that you know I mean for this like zero point literally just premiered on the Tribeca site we had, and it's not monetized and the idea of the monetization of it is well can we get the production budget to, to finish the first season um, and and I think that you have to look at everything that you do, whether you're doing like freelance work for somebody or you're making a film, you know, you're building a body of work. And over time, the body of work starts to pay you. Um, and I think it's just, in terms of the transactional nature of uh, idea of content, I think it's, it's hard to discern that that's it. And in terms of marketing, again, it's just hustle. I've had to do, you know, especially for the documentary work, like a lot of uh, Kickstarters. And um, it's finding the audience that's responding and connect with them and build relationships. I mean, it really, it's that cliche thing of it being a relationship business, but it's not even just like the relationship with the right exec, it's the relationship with audience. And, and that's the only reason for the last five years I've been able to do anything is because I've had this like core audience that has started to grow incrementally um, and just, you know, continue to keep kind of an open door to that if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's, you're so right. It's not a linear thing. I mean, when I did these videos, I had to be talked into doing these videos because I thought, nobody's going to care about this. No one's going to want to watch this. It's just some weird thing that I do for, you know, a, an audience of 30 yawning comedy people or whatever that are hating it. But, um, but yeah, it became the, 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 my calling card. So as an actor getting, trying to get work in film and TV, I'm still that guy that makes those Chloe videos, you know? And so that has opened the door for so many 
jobs for me and so many opportunities and meeting so many people by doing this thing that I never thought this is gonna make me any money. And really, I mean, like we, we did monetize our videos a few years ago because people were telling us, oh my God, you make so much money on YouTube. <laughs> you don't, uh, you don't. Like, I mean, you really, like, I mean, about every six months, Jim will be like, I got another check for you. And it's like $40 or whatever, you know? So you really, we don't make a lot of money off, the, off of our videos. And, but, but I have indirectly, um, it's, it's helped my career completely just by making something that I, that I like. And, it, and yeah, it connects you in that way. Yeah, I don't monetize my videos. Yeah. Yeah. Nor do I. Nor do I. No. No. Do you yeah. do you think you will at any at any, any point? It seems like the very no. first five people on YouTube like became millionaires, yeah. and right. then everybody else is Once like, uh, and it's like. Yeah, I haven't yeah. even thought of it. Um, nah, it's totally like a um, spiraling. Um, passion project. You know, it's like <laughs> I do it because I really love doing it, not because I expect anything from it. Um, um, yeah, it's like totally um, pointless financially. Well, it could get <laughs> yeah. picked up as a, by a network, uh, I guess. Uh, that's maybe, so. yeah, nah, nah. It's yeah, we partnered with somebody that made it, that, that had us do that as part of the deal. And it's fine, but it's, it is, it's one of those things that, you know, I, I mean, I don't, it, it, yeah, I just don't really think that's the way to go. It's never making anything for money is ever a great idea, I don't think, mm -hmm. until you have a lot of money. Right. Yeah. And you don't need money. But you never know what doors will open up because I, making videos, um, there are opportunities out there, but thinking of the, the video or the film as this um, product to move itself is kind of like, I don't know, this, it's not viable, at least to me, but a lot it's of doors It's not why it's been created yeah, in your mind. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, thank you all for coming out. Thanks, I, guys. Um, thank you, Thank guys. you, Holly. No. And um, please check out the Tribeca website so you can see all the work and the other creators. Uh, there are 11 total, and um, all their work is up online. And make sure you go see some films as well. Thank you.